Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. In the age of online retail, buying a car should be no different. That's why Carvana invented a brand new way to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made a purchase, your car comes to you, delivered right to your door. Or you can pick it up from one of their coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy ensuring you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check out the nation's fastest-growing auto retailer at Carvana.com. People notice a healthy smile, but maybe you have tooth sensitivity, bleeding gums, or acid-weakened enamel. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel are trusted specialty toothpastes created to help improve your oral health. For tooth sensitivity, choose Sensodyne. Bleeding gums, get Paradontax. For acid-weakened enamel, Pronamel is the toothpaste for you. Sensodyne, Paradontax, and Pronamel. Trusted specialty toothpaste to help bring home your healthy smile. Visit Ibotta to earn cash back. Hey, Collider fans. This is John Roca, the producer of Collider Heroes. I want to send a shout-out here to the DC fans. I want them to check out the latest live-action series, Titans. It's available now on DC Universe. A new episode streams every Friday. It's the first original series to launch on DC Universe. Titans follows a group of young superheroes, Robin, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy, and others, and it's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise. Join the Ultimate DC membership with more info at DCUniverse.com. It's that little Chico Pitbull, Mr. 305, better said Mr. Worldwide, and I'm here to tell you about my new podcast, From Negative to Positive, brought to you by my friends over at State Farm. I believe that to have success, you got to play the game, so that the game doesn't play you. You know, the biggest risk you take is not taking one. It's very important that you make sure that you make the most out of your money, especially when it comes to insurance. State Farm offers surprisingly great rates. They have great agents standing by helping you personalize your coverage. All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you start with that? The Breakfast Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning. And nothing says morning like a classic sausage McMuffin with egg. Right now, get this all-time favorite for just 2 bucks on the one 2 3 menu. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Collider Heroes. What are we talking about today, Coy? We have Ewan McGregor is officially Black Mask, and I hope he has a Scottish accent. And Walking Dead is just like your rules for comic adaptations? How do they work? They work however we say they will. Trilogy of Rick Grimes. Cats and dogs what? living together. Chaos ensues. Who knows what the rules are? Are there rules? And today, uh, speaking of rule breakers, now you have to live up to that because I've chosen to give you that this intro. This is the bar. <laughs> Please welcome back to Collider Heroes, Ashley B. Robinson. Hi. Thank you for having me back. Breaker of rules. That's right. Champion of the people. Please don't tell the American government that. I'm trying to finalize my citizenship. Extremely law-abiding Ashley B. Robinson. Very by the numbers. Speaking of numbers, this is episode 278 of Heroes. It is conceptually November 7th. Time is a flat circle, and I have a trouble time keeping track. I don't know when it is, what it is, but it's Wednesday. Hello, and this episode is very interesting because Ewan McGregor 
broke like right after our show last week. Mm. And I've been twitching to talk about it because I think it's a really interesting casting call. And I thought the rumor was very much a rumor. I didn't realize how close we were. Because it was yeah, him and was Charlotte like, Copley. Should we even mention It's just some random like unsourced rumor. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Charlotte in, Copley in is Talks ca- 4 is that difficult thing, right? Because everyone thought that Joss Whedon Batgirl movie was here. And then he couldn't find inspiration for a whole year. So it's nice that this one actually came to pass. But, and I also feel like Charlotte Copley is the guy that everyone says for a thing mm-hmm. all the time. So when it was those two, I was like, hmm, so this is someone in their basement going, yes, what if? <laughs> and then when this came to be, like, I think this shows a lot about what the script looks like. I think this shows mm-hmm. a lot of how much DC's investing. I think this shows a lot about how much the villain's in the movie, because you have a really hard time when you have a team movie with the villain being enough, or with the villain getting enough screen time. Mm-hmm. Ewan McGregor hasn't been a super villain or superhero before, unless you count train spotting, in which he's a hero. Yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> To me, that's a really interesting take that he's going to jump in a comic movie with Black Mask. So I think Black Mask is a really fun character because he runs the criminal underbelly. He's also very intelligent. He also has a very beautiful image. Like the striking image mm-hmm. of Black Mask is going to be fun to play with cinematically. But now that we have Ewan McGregor, I'm really interested in Black Mask and I'm extra involved in like the production of this movie because I want to know how this came together and what the script is. I think a lot of it probably has to do with the fact that Margot Robbie's producing on it. And mm-hmm. not only is she Margot Robbie super star i'm harley quinn she is now oscar nominee yeah. margot robbie and i really admire that she is taking on this producer role and getting these movies made with a lot of women not only in front of the camera but behind the scenes and i i really think a lot of credit goes to her and the pressure that she's putting on wb to make this happen <laughs> it really does seem like a lot of this uh, in in the the way people are talking about the development of the movie like a lot of it comes back to her agency behind the mm-hmm. scenes which is i mean it is fascinating because as as people who love Harley Quinn, like you over time you just end up with this like we just wish she could like set her own path for once and the fact that on a meta level the person playing Harley, Harley Quinn was like, Oh, <laughs> you're gonna hand me uh this and I'm gonna take it and just reshape the world and like, yeah. kind of beautiful. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, we did. We, we got a lot of comments this week from behind-the-scenes folks uh, mm-hmm. uh, to give us some more clues as to how Birds of Prey is shaping up. Uh, first of all, I'm, like, I'm psyched as heck for Ewan McGregor. It's going to be weird to watch him play what I always assumed was an Italian crime boss, but I guess I'm... Wait. Oh, I never put that in the suit, I guess. I could see that. Yeah. He's sort Maybe of... it's because his name is Roman and I'm way off there. But yeah, like... I mean, there are a lot of, like, vaguely Italian names in Gotham, right? Like, there's the mm. Falcones and some other Onis that I don't remember right now. Uh, Bertinelli's... I don't know if he's expressly Italian, but yeah. I think it's well, interesting. He's Scottish now. Exactly. Uh, it'll <laughs> be so the fascinating if they leave him Scottish, but I think it's interesting that we've picked a street-level villain here. Mm-hmm. Um, and he is a Batman rogue. He's not specifically like from Gotham City Sirens or Birds of Prey, but he is not too fantastical. So I think that means that the rest of the movie's grounded. And if Harley Quinn is not fighting an energy beam, I think that's a good thing. That means the bat might be relevant. Yeah. It's almost like it's a useful tool in that situation, <laughs> unlike a space hole. So we did get some comments from director Kathy Yen uh, mm-hmm. at a uh, press conference uh, this week. Uh, and she was asked just by the moderator, like, how she got this job, for instance, um, how she beat out the other directors mm-hmm. for the job. And her basic answer was, I did my homework. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, she, she knew what she wanted to go after. She assembled a sizzle. She did all the like steps that you do when you're going after things. Um, she said, I wouldn't say it was easy, but it was relatively painless and straightforward. I immediately loved the script. Mm. And it felt like something I could really do, and it felt very much like my own voice. I could not put the script down, she said. And this, is, this makes me excited, because I mean, you need to say positive things, but uh, I, these particular 
specific positive things make me happy. I could not put the script down. It had so much dark humor to it, which a lot of my work does, Kathy Ann says. And there are themes of female empowerment, which are so strong and relatable. So I went in not with confidence, but at least a sense that I belonged in the room. That somehow magically, in terms of timing and luck, that this opportunity was open to me and I was definitely going to make the best of it. Uh, and I love that that sort of... First of all, I love just being like that. That makes me feel like the script was solid. It wasn't mm-hmm. just like, hey, maybe make some kind of superhero movie. And she was just like, well, I mean, I wouldn't blame her if she was like, I'm in for maybe make some kind of superhero right. movie. Right. I mean, we should all be so lucky to have yeah. that opportunity floated to us. But specifically, <laughs> and she addresses, because this was happening, I think, in China, so they asked if there'd be Eastern elements and Birds of Prey. She answered yes or n- yes and no. The tone of the film is similar to that in my films. There's a, a half-Asian character, now confirmed, of course, Cassandra Kane. Oh, I'm so excited! <laughs> uh, and our screenwriter, Christina Hodson, is half-Chinese, and she's sneaking little bits in, which is interesting, because I, I, I'm just getting more and more fascinated by the team they've assembled for this mm-hmm. movie and their behind-the-scenes story. We, we'll talk a little bit later about Christina Hudson, who also mm-hmm. gave a bunch of comments this week, um, this screenwriter, on what excites her in films and what she's looking forward to doing. But that sort of level, I hope that's what happened here, is that yeah. Ewan McGregor was like, I could be a superhero all day long, mm-hmm. but somebody gave him this script, I hope, and he was like, hmm. Funny. I'm dark. I like it. Also hoping the fact that we have a male villain here because I was really expecting a female villain, villainess. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope that that drives the narrative and I hope that there is just to get real political the day after the midterms, um, <laughs> that there is like a, a subline of all these women finding their own autonomy and overthrowing some element of whatever patriarchal society there is in Gotham. Um, because I think there could have been a real opportunity to have a female villain here because we we've never had a female villain i mean we kind of have dr poison and wonder woman but ultimately she's there to fight aries or i wonder if he is maybe like a red herring villain as well i think there's a lot to be mined in this universe and i do think it's fascinating that they establish that cassandra kane is going to be orphan here she's not batgirl i Uh, i personally like that there's a male villain because mm -hmm. it it isn't I've always said I can't wait for the day that a female director gets to direct, like, The Avengers instead of yeah. directing, like, Black Widow. Like, yeah, I'd like yeah. there to be, like, it's we not a category. We it's a, we all the time, yeah. you're the best for this, not because of how you look or the sex you are. Yeah. I'd like there to be just, like, you're the director for. So I like that it's a male villain because it's not, like, girls fighting girls because yeah. that's all there is. Like, to me, this is a great statement of, like, that's the villain and there's just no commentary, mm-hmm. theoretically. So I think it's a really good opportunity for us to, like, try to erase some boxes. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? So I think that Black Mask is a villain that might not have gotten the time to shine in certain other properties, mm-hmm. and now he will. And the the scripts come together. All of these quotes. This sounds like a not to insult Suicide Squad because it was a it was a brilliantly beautiful music video. It didn't have the scripts because they wrote it in like fourteen days or whatever mm-hmm. that short like that time was. That was a movie that came together in pieces. This to me mm-hmm. sounds like the opposite. This sounds like it was a script that was done that people were drawn to. It went around town, and that is how a good story can develop because you're invested in the characters first, mm-hmm. the visuals second. Suicide Squad squad had a lot of good visuals but it didn't get the time that it deserved and that's why i'm excited for the things going forward because this sounds like it's going to be a movie first a comic movie second and that's what these things need to be to keep the bubble from bursting yeah Wait, really did, go ahead we also <laughs> demand that you care about your source material we need it to be a movie and a comic book movie but yeah. like yeah you got it you gotta get movie. that script together it's be good. and it seems it really seems to be more of a piece with wonder woman than maybe something like suicide squad mm-hmm. which uh, like koi i enjoy that movie just fine um but i can recognize its flaws where uh, it seems like all the creative people involved are really invested in telling this story about these characters and I think that's what makes the best movies and I you know 
Uh, still on the record, I change my mind every day about whether I believe that this really needs to be R, but we can uh, see, sure, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. And it's possible that it's going to be my new favorite thing. When we get to the screenwriter and her comments about like obsessively loving Terminator 2, I went and looked it up and I was like, okay, fine, yeah. this. Can- <laughs> I love that we're so invested in this movie with it being so far out. I love mm-hmm. that this is the one that comes up that we're always like, yes, birds of prey, let's dive in. Well, to be fair, I also think it's the only one that we all believe is happening. That's I mean, fair. do That's we true. believe the Flash movie's happening? <laughs> this and the Joker movie. I love yeah. where DC's going because they're they're grounded, they're street level, they're investing in the script, they're bringing a brilliant team together. Everything I hear about this and Joker are both like, oh, they're not worrying about the shared universe thing. They're worried about the individual films so that they can build off that and make good movies instead of worrying about like this, worry about this. Mm-hmm. And that to me is what makes a universe. Like if you start here and build out, like I loved Rogue One and that was like, the most contained version of a story <laughs> I think we could have gotten. It wasn't worried about like Metaclorians. Uh, so to me, this was a really exciting <laughs> call casting wise because it showed like hey we're invested hey every quote is about the script and we're still a long time out i did see though a bunch of people were like but what about his star wars movie that's never been announced <laughs> yeah so, that's why my brain went star so wars I'm, was like i'm sorry to everyone who's disappointed that they think this means that the obi-wan movie's off the table he's the perfect age he's right in between i'm not the... saying that they're wrong but those were the top comments that i saw when this news broke five seconds after here yeah, just, last just watch movie. clone wars <laughs> if you want yeah truly, Obi-Wan yeah. adventures just watch clone wars also give us an obi-wan movie uh so <laughs> i'm one of those people that really wants that because it's so perfect it's right there uh shout out councils on later on today and claire uh walking dead has decided to do something that we both find fascinating because it is a there's there's adapting a comic loosely and then there's what (laughs) rick grimes still got two hands first of all and he's also getting three movies that is a giant departure from what we all expected. We all thought he'd either die, turn into a zombie, what's going on with Norman Reedus' character. There's more questions than answers. And now reading the comics will not give you those answers, which is a great thing for comic fans. Oh, I man, think that this ain't is been the true best. for years. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> That's fair. But this is, I think this is great because you don't have to, you don't, you're not tied to anything. I think it's a great statement to make. I think it really speaks to the power of Andrew Lincoln's representatives that they managed to get this deal for him. <laughs> a salute to the agents of Andrew Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm fascinated by watching this because I, I haven't actually been current with the show in some time. Uh, I, but like, I've watched this entire phenomenon from the comic book store mm-hmm. side of it, um, and and from a point where Walking Dead, like, I, it can't be reiterated enough. Like, it was a random black and white horror comic that normally wouldn't go more than six issues, mm-hmm. which is why they crammed all their story into, like, the first six issues, <laughs> because they were like, let's just do this as long as it lasts. Also, coming on the heels of Invincible, which is very violent, but is, like, a color-coded superhero yeah. dreamscape. Like, it, they don't feel of a piece until you read more Kirkman and you understand they're actually very similar. <laughs> yeah, when you're like, ooh, my zombie's missing link. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's so, it was such a weird thing that then became a massive hit, and just, there was just, like, Literally no one was like, you know what I bet will be a television juggernaut? (laughs) The black and white horror indie comic about zombies. Uh, And... It's been fascinating to watch because, first of all, obviously it worked. Mm-hmm. Uh, got optioned, got a, a, a cycled through a lot of teams, but somehow just like mm-hmm. worked it out, put it across to a mass audience who had no idea this book existed, had no idea this corner of comics existed, started showing up for the books uh, in crazy numbers. Um, they have been ruling until very recently, like all of the, the trade charts every year. Uh, and it's 
in, I, I don't know. I put this on the main story because I'm just fascinated. Like, now we're however many years into the TV adaptation, and we're taking this character, and he's going to literally have a trilogy of television movies. Is there any precedent for this anywhere? This just gives me hope that I can go back to the core of the comic, and not storyline-wise, but the budget will be for a movie, so you can actually give it the budget to keep a the zombies. A TV movie yeah. on AMC. Is, but, what is their budget? But, I mean, it's, it's two well, hours versus, know. no matter what, it's two hours versus 22. Like, yes, that sure. sort of thing. It's you can, the difference between, like, the season four of Game of Thrones and season seven of Game of Thrones, where we're having these 90-minute movies now. Sure, 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 sure. And I think that's the closest precedent is exactly Game of Thrones. I don't know, maybe Stargate, individual... which made a bunch of crappy made-for-TV. Also, Sabrina the Teenage Witch has two made-for-TV movies. Sabrina Goes Down Under and Sabrina Goes to Rome. In Sabrina Goes Down Under, she talks to dolphins. Weirdly, that's actually probably the best parallel here. <laughs> no, thank you. They're so, not good. Uh, Batman: here. Mask of the Phantasm, like they made a full feature, which was that, but that got theatrical, theatrical release. Yeah. So I don't know if that counts as, but the budget would be a you know more adjusted. Mm-hmm. But I think they're not like a literal example. Sabrina, yeah. you're close. Not good. In terms <laughs> of uh, so, the, and there obviously have been like TV movie adaptations of superheroes in the past, especially mm-hmm. like you get some '70s and '80s ones, the '80s ones that people oh, love to boy. bring up. Uh, but uh, it is it's just fascinating for me from a network side and. MC has sort of said that they are kind of trying to get into the Netflix business of like, mm-hmm. we can green light other forms of entertainment under our umbrella and right. people may show up for them, which is this this gradual loosening of like the these what each network and channel and stream does as everybody's trying everything everybody else does because sure. it's 2018 and it's chaos. There's a ton of potential with this too. If, if this is successful, what other characters are we going to see get movies or series of movies greenlit? Could Dead get, like, are we going to get a Glenn trilogy? Are we going to get a Michonne trilogy? Or standalone movies, or I don't know who died in the first season. I don't watch Walking Dead. Zombies scare me. But <laughs> I think what that could say for the way modern media is adapting, especially with these cable networks that are soon going to become streaming networks, and we're going to have the same problem that we had before, uh, with their higher budgets and entertainment just getting better and better on that level, I think that's a very powerful idea, and I think that's like the most promising thing about what it means for the industry. Well, I yes. like that the line's getting blurred. I like, I mean, Marvel's effectively Kevin Feige's a showrunner. Like, he's, yep. that's a bible of shows that is written, and then each movie that comes out is an episode. It's yep. not a movie set. It's it's a show, and that's why it holds up so well because it is a series that's been built out like a show. This is interesting because it's going the other direction. Absolutely. But I think that gives it all the benefit of the budget changing of Andrew Lincoln not having to go to Atlanta, which is what it's really about, and about like us all <laughs> yeah, getting he British. Yeah, like, I mean, I get it. He's been there for nine years, so I think it's a really interesting opportunity to show like actors if they're going to leave a show they have a little bit more leg to stand on if they're the lead to maybe make things change and it gives us a really good opportunity to make this back to the core of what it was this won't be on a farm this won't be a whole season where we're waiting for zombies it'll be all the things that people like about walking dead but we can branch out and maybe this is a sign of the breaking bad thing that just got announced that's also mm-hmm. amc mm-hmm. i'm curious if amc is playing with both theatrical and on television i didn't literally didn't even realize it was the same network a- a- yeah. amc is like suddenly like wait we're making movies it's not a coincidence oh, this happened the same week yeah. now all the Nobody's yeah. talked about that. No, like Breaking Bad and Walking Dead, same week, green light of They're going to cross over, guys. I'm telling you right That's now. That's the rumor forever. Jesse and Rick are going to meet up and fight no, zombies no. with meth. The meth is what makes them zombies. <laughs> the Walking Dead is in the future. Just like in Florida. The blue meth is what turns, yes, Florida is the indicator. 
Florida Man. Walking Dead zombie. Oh my! Can someone please we draw a fan art of that? The end of Breaking Bad is Jesse driving away to Florida, where he starts selling blue meth. Walking Dead ten years later. I love it. But there are crossovers. Isn't there? There's blue meth in Walking Dead. I think it's been like a canon I reference. Think so so yeah. bring all of that on because it's just weird enough to work. Oh boy. Uh, but I think this is really interesting for for me. What I thought of was this: like it'd be like if Civil War in the comics, where the Iron Spider suit never happened in the comics, and then Tony Stark and Spider Man friends without a precedent. Like this is mm. a giant leap from the comics in a comic medium where people are avid, people are vocal. This is a huge departure, but everyone seems happy because you love the character enough. And I think this is a really good sign that don't love the medium so much that it breaks you if it changes. Love the medium and love the different representations of the medium. Amazing Spider-Man and Ultimate Spider-Man both exist separately because of their quality content. (laughs) This is a good opportunity for quality content to spread and don't love something so much that it ruins itself if it's slightly different because this could be the best thing to happen to Walking Dead since season three. Mm -hmm. Like I, I don't even know Walking Dead that well. I'm just really excited about the opportunity for the medium of comic books. This is great news. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if we can say it better than that. (laughs) That's our take. And I I don't want to keep us from getting to this because uh, we have a very exciting first mining mutation. We do. Besides the Breaking Bad movie. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year, automatically, dollar for dollar, with no limit on how much you can earn. Extra cash? Come on, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing when you realize all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2020 Nielsen Report limitations apply. Hey, Collider fans, it's John Roca again. If you're a DC fan, you'll definitely want to check out the latest live-action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. The series premiered on October 12th, and new episodes are available to stream every Friday. It's the first original series to launch on DC Universe, and it follows a group of soon-young-to-be superheroes, including Dick Grayson as Robin, Rachel Roth as Raven, Corey Anders as Starfire, Gar Logan as Beast Boy. The group gets caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on Earth. They become a surrogate family and a team of heroes. It's a gritty take on the Teen Titans franchise from executive producers Akiba Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti, Greg Walker, Sarah Schechter, and John Fawcett. Titans explores one of the most popular comic book teams ever. Available only on DC Universe. On all your favorite devices and only $7.99 a month or 20% off for a yearly membership. Join the ultimate DC membership at DCUniverse.com. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Why do millions of Americans choose to sleep on Bolin Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? Is it that they get softer and softer over time? Customers can't stop raving about these sheets, and there's no better time to try them for yourself or give them to someone you love. 
Right now, Bolin Branch is offering their best deals of the year, and you can get their incredibly soft sheets at incredibly low prices. Just go to bolinbranch.com to shop their best deals today. That's b o l l and branch.com today. See site for details. Minor mutations. There's a very exciting first one that makes me very happy for all of my favorite creators in the world of comics. The very first bit of news to make me fully excited is that Once Upon a Deadpool is the name of the PG-13 Deadpool movie. And the thing that excites me is one dollar of every ticket sold is going to cancer research. We're going to dive into that when we get back to it, because that is brilliant news. Fudge cancer! Fudge cancer! (laughs) It's fun to say. Uh, We also got this week some great quotes from an L.A. Times interview with Christina Hodson, writer of the upcoming Transformers Bumblebee movie, but also, of course, Birds of Prey and Batgirl. Uh, So it's really... We'll we'll get into all that. (laughs) We also have Psycho Pirate announced. (laughs) It's beginning to look a lot like Crisis. Look at that! Look at it! Look at it! that's gonna be real oh yes i mean it'll be whatever the cw version of that is but i saw a monitor it might be dead on yeah uh, yeah, yeah we have a new trailer for deadly class coming soon to sci-fi i believe we have some fantastic concept art of the wasp who should have been in civil war i get why she wasn't but look at this so we're going to talk about that in just a moment They've announced a sequel to the audio drama that Marvel did starring Wolverine with Richard Armitage as Wolverine. Did you not know about this? I, I, oh, it's really cool. We're yeah. going to talk about that and yes, tell Amy about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also found out that Aquaman is officially wrapped. Good thing, because it's out soon. Uh, <laughs> it's good to finish your book. Uh, <laughs> Kevin Feige gave some really interesting quotes in a roundtable discussion on diversity and sort of the... the, the interesting nuts and bolts of putting that into practice. The Wonder Woman 1984 writer David Callahan is attached to something at Marvel. <laughs> We're pretty excited. A lot riding on that. A vertical book called Survivors Club is joining the TV adaptation pipeline headed to CW. Uh, and that I just... I. Look out for that. We'll talk about that. We also have our Swamp Thing officially. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Derek Mears is officially Swamp Thing, but we also have Andy Bean. So we have both sides. We'll talk about it. (laughs) So much. Hold on for one second. (laughs) Uh, And finally, this is the week that we did not get an Inhumans movie. Uh, Five days ago, I was at the theater, didn't have a movie coming out about Inhumans. I think it was a CBR I, where I spotted this, that someone revisited that 2014 mm-hmm. uh, slate, which mostly came to pass, but we might uh, do pointless speculation about the <laughs> universe where things went according to plan. So many minor mutations. Yes! Ashley, what jumps out of you? Oh, man, there's so much going on. I want to talk <laughs> about the Wolverine audio drama. Uh, shout out to my friend Ben Percy, who writes that. Congratulations. Oh, that's cool. Oh, heck yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, he's great. Um, I think it's a really interesting move for Marvel. Um, I don't know if it's something that can extend to a lot of other characters besides Wolverine, because you do need to go in with the baggage of knowing about that character, and he is so prevalent in all the movies. that That's why I think it works. It was on Stitcher Premium, and I wasn't under the impression that it got a ton of listens. And then about a month and a half ago, it went public, and now we're getting the announcement of a second season. And to me, like the, the economics of how that's breaking down is what's really, really fascinating. Mm. Um, and Ben Percy said in his statement that season one was about people trying to find Wolverine and season two is about Wolverine trying to go out and find specific people. Mm. So I'm wondering if it's going to be more of like a Ronin Wolverine type story. Mm. But I think if this is 
successful by whatever metric they're measuring it. And if season two is successful or more successful, then it's kind of like what we were just talking about with Walking Dead. Like, what does it mean? What else could we see? I just think what's happening there is really fascinating. And I think because it was behind a paywall for so long, it kind of flew under the radar. And I think that's a bummer. You should listen to it because now it's really accessible. I think this, like you said, Walking Dead, mm-hmm. it is a different medium and it's a really cool opportunity because voice actors killing it in these roles mm-hmm. and the podcast community being so prevalent. Hi. Yeah, uh, like, oh, we, we all like do this thing for audio. A lot of people just listen to our shows. So it's really interesting that there's a narrative version of that about comic books. A lot, there's so many podcasts about comic books. I'm actually surprised it took as long as it did to get a narrative podcast about comic books. Like, it's fascinating that we're kind of going back. Like, War of the Worlds changed everything when people yeah. listened to it. They thought it was real. And you may notice that we used to have watches and now we have phones in our pockets and it's like <laughs> a pocket watch. Like, it's, it's interesting how we're like cyclical about things and the things that were outdated are now coming back into fashion and like the, the like the music stylings very 80s mm-hmm. and the fashion stylings and it's interesting to me that a narrative podcast like a radio show and sitting and listening to is now from one of the biggest empires in entertainment with Marvel and with Wolverine mm-hmm. so if it does well it already has a sequel which we just talked about if it does well I'd love to see more street level characters getting to tell narratives I'd love to see like a comic on tape effectively people love listening to audiobooks mm-hmm. it's like an audiobook meets a comic book meets a podcast it's a really cool opportunity and I think Wolverine's a great character for it I'd love to hear Daredevil one. I'd love I was going to say, with- I would love it if the Defenders went here. Yeah. After they're all probably never going to be on Netflix again. But that narrative <laughs> structure of a, of a street level thing, yeah. I think it really works. I think Spider-Man would be tricky because the visuals are a lot of the tide of it. Superman is a visual character. All yep. those things. Batman could also work as a podcast. So Detective work. Is, yeah, the, the true crime thing. We need a The Pulse style uh, oh, journalist yes. true crime podcast set in either uh, Gotham or Marvel's oh, New York. I love that. Yeah, you could do it even in the style of like serial. Marvel can hire us at any time. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're right here. Or if they go DC, I'd love to hear, like, Commissioner Gordon's, like, police logs with some, like, Harvey Dent like that ad Gordon campaigns, plus, like... series where he comes from Chicago to Gotham. For yeah! The I'd love to hear, like, the Batman as a myth that they're talking about mm-hmm. on the radio. You could play with, like, the police radio frequencies. You could play with, like, ad campaigns. You could play with, like, the underbelly of Gotham. There's opportunity. And then that's full circle, because, of course, pulp radio shows inspired Batman in the first yep. place. Uh, Life ha- imitates art again. It's weird. Like, there, I think there have been some attempts like this. I know they recorded an audio version of Mark Wade's first Daredevil issue. Yes. Yeah. Um, which was like a, a cool sort of accessibility thing because mm-hmm. he is a blind hero. And there, uh, there have been a ton of really famous narrative podcast that, you know, it's it's surprising to me that it took comics this long to catch up with it because mm-hmm. we had Thrilling Adventure Hour for so long, Night mm-hmm. Vale, mm-hmm. Uh, Hello from the Magic Tavern that are all genre adjacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so Kryptonite came from a radio show. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, it literally came, Kryptonite is invented. from Kansas came from a radio show. Like, <laughs> so much of what you actually love about Superman, yeah, comes from those early audio dramas. But what if no pictures? I do, I love what you said. How like, do you read this? There's no pictures. Yeah, we're re-innovating <laughs> things that didn't exist. And I did love when we talked to Tara Strong about voice this idea that like voice is the only thing you can't get from a comic yep uh and so it's fascinating to see how people handle that and i'm curious your concerns of sort of like wolverine's so well known Mm -hmm. you don't have to do a lot of that world building what will become important as they choose other characters to focus on or how will they do that and comics as a medium are doing so well there's an audience for it and like the spider-man video game showed me what was between the panels for me that was like what's it like to actually web swing so that was the visual component this is the audio component so now we're breaking down into so many things and yeah it's just fascinating and exciting Cool. So speaking of fascinating, I, I was really into this L.A. Times rundown with Christina Hudson mm-hmm. uh, because I hadn't realized uh, she's the, the screenwriter we were just talking about that's working mm-hmm. on all the things. Uh, <laughs> and what I hadn't realized is that uh, folks watching this may or may not be familiar with The Blacklist. 
mm-hmm. um, which is sort of an annual, uh, it used to be sort of an informally collated list of like really exciting screenplays that were circulating around people's offices in Hollywood that no but, one had picked up yet. But couldn't seem to get, a lot of them, once they were picked up and made, became Oscar nominated. Mm-hmm. Like they're very, now it's a it's competition. Now like, it's a, yeah, it's a competition. It's yeah. an organization. You can submit your scripts to get reviewed. Uh, but like Christina Hudson apparently made the blacklist three times. Wow. Holy smokes. That's awesome. Had three different movies that people were like, you gotta read this. Uh, and, wow. and so that's that's the backdrop for this. And this was a, an article that she, uh, an interview that she gave mostly about uh, Bumblebee, mm. uh, her upcoming Transformers movie, uh, talking about her inspiration, blockbusters, female leads. Um, one of my favorite quotes, which she said, mostly I want my nieces to grow up in a world where the girls and women they see on screen feel as varied and complicated as they are, mm-hmm. um, which is the kind of thing that I love to hear. I'm going to say this, and I'm uh, sorry, John Roca, but I don't care about any of the Transformers movies. And... Um, <laughs> Shots fired straight across across the bow. (laughs) I'll just leave. Um, I think Bumblebee is such a fascinating move on Paramount's part, and I think it has potential to be so important not only for that franchise, but for the industry. And I love to hear that she went into it knowing the impact that could be made with that hero. Like, that's one of the movies I'm most excited to see kind of the impact of once it airs. Yeah. Uh, I think that showing her, I didn't know she had three blacklist scripts. Every like, Give her everything. We said it ten <laughs> minutes ago, every detail about this movie gets me more excited. Yeah. That is a new detail, more excited. I think this movie could, I always say, like, this could be the thing that changes the industry. But it's true, because, like, it, we, don't, we don't go from 2008's Iron Man and Dark Knight to 2018's Infinity War and last year's Wonder Woman. That doesn't happen by leaps, it happens by steps. This could be another step towards credibility in the mainstream audience. This could be another step towards a team of superhero women maybe being a movie that is taken seriously beyond the comic genre. I want this genre to break down the wall of, like, why isn't this on the news with other things? When Black Panther was on the cover of Time magazine, I was like, yay, finally it's time! And then it was just a smidge closer. I want these things to evolve. Like, I want grandparents to not see comic movies. I want them to see movies. Mm -hmm. And we're so much closer every time one of these things takes a step. We could see it. I don't know if your grandparents should see R-rated Birds of Prey. I think they should. My grandma called me about Thanos. It was one of the best phone calls I've ever had. I was always like my mom and poppy being like the purple guy with the ring thing. And like that was the glove. And I was like, yes, I've been waiting my whole life to have this conversation. That means we're getting there. My mom thinks uh, Captain America and Batman fight each other. Yes. (laughs) That's adorable. Yeah. She's Canadian. (laughs) That's really cute. Um, So we we did get a couple more quotes from that interview that I loved. Uh, What what has it been like working closely with Margot? Robbie on the Birds of Prey project. This I can say. Robbie is an amazing. Robbie Robbie uh, is an amazing producer. She's so dedicated, cares so much. She's in it, works so hard, looks through every choice, reads through every draft, has super smart notes. I'm all about finding good people you believe in as human beings, as well as being good creative partners and producers, because it's an investment. Writing these movies takes it out of you. I'm also just excited about Kathy Yen, uh, the director, uh, who is a woman and she's Asian. That's a big deal. Uh, Christina Hudson herself is mixed race. Mm-hmm. Um, this is pretty rare, and it's one of those things where. I get that some folks are like, why is that a big deal? And if it's if it seems like, why is that a big deal? It's because you've been swimming in things like you for a long time. Mm-hmm. And you don't know what it would be like to never see that. Uh, so that's one of the, re- just as a baseline, one of the reasons that I come back to this a lot and that people come back to this is that like, Yeah, cool. As we move towards an awesome, uh, more inclusive world, there will stop being some of these firsts. But in the meantime... Every one of these matters and makes a difference to someone, and I get real excited. Yeah. Uh-huh. Speaking of mattering and being important in yes. slight change, a dollar towards every ticket you <laughs> buy 
for Deadpool when you see it with your family. I've been giving this movie a lot of crap because I am worried about the long-term ramifications of a PG-13 X-Force or perhaps them just neutering or perhaps tying the mouth shut of my boy Deadpool. But They're just going to put some Mickey Mouse ears little, on them. But all the cutscenes can be like those Cusco moments where it pauses the screen and goes, this is where it would have been bloody or this is where yeah. it would have been swearing. And like, that'll be fun. And now I am officially fully in because Deadpool has cancer. This is going to donate a dollar towards Fudge Cancer, which is an amazing campaign, an amazing group of people, and every single ticket gets a dollar. That's incredible. It's not a cash grab. It's not like this is an opportunity for it not just to break money barriers, but also to help people. And not enough studios, I feel like, make this like the the it's it's a, like a, not a back end deal, it's a front end deal. This yes. is happening yeah, yeah, yeah. at the jump. It's bonkers. A dollar. This is a good reason to put your money where your mouth is. Yes. And support the things you love and like do some real good in the world. Fudge cancer. I do also love the fact that the campaign is not called Fudge Cancer. Yeah. The campaign has a different name. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> grown up. Uh, and it's, it, it, it is sort of a hilarious mix. Like, it is it is now impossible to not be excited about this project happening. Like, I don't know what it means for the future. I don't know if Ryan Reynolds is like, I'm like, so the question is, if they do this, has attaching these conditions basically meant that he can say, like, you can't do this again unless it's a bonker stunt like this? Or will it mean, if it is wildly successful, that they're like, cool. That gave us the go-ahead for PG-13. I'd be okay with two cuts. I think that this is an opportunity that, like, it's not going to make the money that Deadpool did in its initial run. It might make enough money that the suits at Disney, when they get Deadpool, go, "Uh, we want a PG-13. I think this could be a great opportunity to have two cuts, one R, one PG-13, that I hope both get theatrical released. Mm. That has happened before. We have both cuts simultaneously or tiered to get different releases, and then kids aren't sneaking into... just like this, yeah. Yeah, (laughs) like, they'd make it work, and that way kids aren't sneaking into one movie after they buy a ticket to another. But this movie has always... I mean, they will anyway. I mean, yeah, that's going to happen. But this, this, uh, this movie's always had the, the cancer charity wrapped into it. Like, they made an all-pink Deadpool suit and donated it to breast cancer. Yep. And that, I think, is really important that now it's going not just those little side missions. It's the main mission. It's the storyline in the game. So uh, this really is a good opportunity for everyone to make money, for it to be for a good cause, for them to test the waters BG-13 and see how the comedy lands. All of these things can work out well. And at Christmas time. You can have Once Upon a Deadpool. I really hope, too, that if this is successful by whatever metric it's being measured on, that it means that if they do more PG-13 movies in future, or if they do do two cuts and they tear their releases, that we see more campaigns like this, or we continue donating to this mm-hmm. particular effort. Like, I, I hope that it doesn't just... That it's not just successful by the financial metric. That the studio looks at it and says, we can give back as well. Like the eight re-releases of Titanic. You could have one of those be actually for something. There have been so many. That movie's made so much money over (laughs) there. It's like 10-year anniversary, 15-year anniversary, 3-D anniversary, 20-year anniversary. Like, James Cameron, you got money. This movie been around for 20 years. Are we that old? 97, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> but, I mean, I think it's a good opportunity. Like you said, if you're going to do a re-release, yeah. maybe tie it to something. So it just it doesn't feel like the cash grab I thought it was anymore, and that feels better. Well, and, and it's it's funny because, like, it, sure, it, they are going to make cash, but, like, I'm no longer mad about it on <laughs> yeah, any yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're, you get your money and throw some of it at the cancer organization. That's amazing. Yeah. I did love that Fred Savage is playing along with this, uh, this idea that he's been kidnapped into doing the movie. So mm-hmm. he gave a quote that was like, while I am certainly not doing this movie, movie of my own free will, <laughs> I am glad that this shameless cash grab will have some positive impact on the world. Like, and it's just beautiful. I, like, I can't believe I'm saying that. It's only out in theaters for two weeks, but like now, buy that ticket. Buy two tickets. And if you haven't seen yeah. Princess Bride, do that, because it's your homework before, because there will be a lot of Princess Bride oh, goodness. Oh, some of you not seen Princess... I bet some of you have I've been reading a lot of it. comments about what's Princess Bride, and I've been like, <gasps> ah. So Princess Bride... 
unrelated changing it's game. It's got Antiope in it. She's great. The yeah. Cliffs of Insanity. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what else do we want to talk about minor mutation-wise? we got a whole bunch. Freaking Psycho Pirates! Yes! Oh boy! <laughs> so, I, I, uh, we're only half serious with this, uh, it beginning a look, to look a lot like Crisis, but like, you can't show serious. me Monitor and Psycho Pirate and not have me be thinking about Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah. It's crazy! I'm with you. Uh, Psycho Pirate is a DC villain. He can alter your emotions. Uh, he's got a mask, and he is a huge he's got part. A mask. Well, just so up. many of them do it. Unlike most comic characters, but his mask does. You're stuff. right. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> just him and Doctor Fate being like weird headgear, huh? Oh um, man, I love Doctor Fate. Please put him in a DC TV show. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, 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 I am fascinated by this specifically because like. It, Monitor already had those alarm bells going off mm-hmm. in our head, but like Psycho Pirate's a huge part of that story. Yeah, and we've seen Black Suit, Superman. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Green Arrow, Flash switching, which I'm really excited I'm also about. saying what classically happens in issue seven: Barry Allen dies, which is the best thing Barry Allen's ever done in his entire history oh. as a character. And we have John Wesley Ship returning to the role of Barry Allen. He could be the Barry Allen that gets sacrificed if this is a crisis redux. Oh, and him suiting up side you by side, that? everyone's going to have the emotional buildup that when he goes, it's going to hurt more. That is cold and true. I yeah. hadn't thought of that. Now I'm afraid. <laughs> I can't watch that happen again. Like, uh, so I'm curious. Has, have we done the math? Does it match up with the Flash Vanishes in Crisis newspaper from season one of Flash? <laughs> I can't do math. <laughs> I, time travel. I think it's 2024. I think I think it's further. I don't think we are in our reality to that year yet. No, but no, no, no. no. We're, we're off. But with Nora, that can totally change. They can have the newspaper read a different time. Yeah, you can tell second. she's definitely Barry Allen's daughter because she's messed up the timeline even worse than Every it was minute. before. Yeah, so Nora can cause that newspaper to switch real quick if yeah. we need it to. Yeah. That's totally a thing. Also, if you're not watching Arrow, they're doing flash forwards this season, and I'm really liking that storyline, so I'm really worried that if we are doing Crisis, that like all that's going to be messed up. I don't know. And, well, and here's the I thing: know. like, if Comics. we're doing Crisis, is Supergirl coming to our Earth? Also, is she Supergirl? Also, classically dies. Crisis on Infinite Earth number twelve, and we don't know if that show's been renewed yet. Oh, that'd be oh, so bet. heavy. Oh, no. Maybe that's why he's that. in the black suit because he's in mourning. You just came in sweet today. You just yeah. came in with darkness. You're like, Flash dies. Supergirl dies. It's all over. Everyone dies universe. in crisis, and then the Eddie Monitor farts out a new universe. Like. That's a that could happen. Very effective spoilers for crisis. <laughs> <laughs> that story is 30-some years old. Spoiler alert from before Titanic. Yeah. Um, what would you have wanted to see Wasp in Civil War? That was actually what I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Wasp, I think, was the most underutilized character in a certain movie called Ant-Man that was only utilized as she should be doing this better. Oh so I would have loved mm. to have had Civil War featured the Wasp, but I think it, in one way I would have loved to have seen that, but in another way I feel like it'd be circling that very point again. It'd be mm-hmm. two movies of them going, look who's doing it better. So I, I really loved Ant-Man and the Wasp because it gave not just the title of them both being equals, but it also like it had them as a team, it had them as a, as a as a unit that was fighting like high and low, and there would not have been enough time for that in Civil War. It wouldn't have, we would have just had a shoehorned in storyline. So I'm glad they didn't waste the Wasp as a character that was put in the situation, and I loved the throwaway line of like, had I been there you wouldn't have gotten a that to me was enough of a save mm. but seeing this beautiful art seeing what we could have had i love her as the wasp i love the wasp's character i've always thought she was brilliant i really missed her in civil war this would have been great so the concept art was definitely like oh so close 
I am torn. I, I loved Civil War as it was, mm-hmm. and it obviously had a lot going on as it was. Um, and it's possible that if they had done this intro, I would have felt uh, like I was missing something because we would have seen her show up without sort of being the center of a story. Mm-hmm. But I think on balance, I still would have loved it, especially if we then got her movie of like, you know, because she's already the wasp, basically, when we see that movie again anyway, so it could have worked. I agree. Um, I'm mostly just disappointed um, because I think wasp is a really devalued, underrated character in the cinematic universe. Um, the Wasp names the Avengers in the comics. She does. She's the only founding, not straight white guy member of the event. Like, I think mm-hmm. her impact is so important in the Marvel Comics universe, and I am just dying to see her show up in an Avengers or Avengers adjacent movie, because Civil War is not an Avengers movie. <laughs> um, I, and I kind of agree with Amy. It would have been, would it have been forced, would it have been shoehorned? Yes. Would I have wanted to see it? Yes. <laughs> See, and it wouldn't, to me, I think I'm less worried that it would have felt shoehorned and more that I would have felt it was underserved, if that sure. makes sense. Sure, sure, They'd sure. be like, oh, what, what do you mean Wasp is here? Okay, bye. Yeah, you know? yeah. And I might have been distracted as a viewer being like, no, follow that story, you know? Yeah. Although, like, honestly, I trust them so much, like, I think they could have pulled it off. I'm I think saying. they probably. And they made all those characters work. I mean, it, it yeah. really, the movie landed. I love Civil War. It's one of my favorites. I just definitely missed the Wasp. But, like, maybe the suit literally wasn't ready. I don't know. Uh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's. Also, was she pregnant at that time? Oh, don't know. That could have been real life. Uh, she scheduling. had a baby somewhere in between those movies. <laughs> that yeah, that could have been could have been a factor. Uh, do we want to talk about the November second, two thousand eighteen, that just came to pass? Because to me, it is fascinating to look at. Like, I went and saw Body Done Friday, which is great, but I didn't watch an Inhumans movie. Mm. I watched a movie like. Inhumans we never got to see, and I think that completely reshaped what Phase 3 and Phase 4 are going okay, out. Okay, the MCU mm-hmm. movie version of Inhumans we never got to see. Right. <laughs> I, in my opinion, Inhumans never got to see. Um, but I, I really think it's an opportunity for us to dive into what Cosmic would have been earlier, and what the Kirbyverse could have been if they'd made it a movie, what all of that could have been under Feige's guidance. I mm-hmm. really think it's a missed opportunity for these really weird characters. The Marvel Universe is going weird, in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Like, we're getting a Doctor Strange and Spider-Man right after Avengers 4. Yeah. We have already had, like, Quantum Realm We've already had that end of Ant-Man scene. We already had how insane Infinity War was. Imagine Infinity War with the stakes where they are now. Mm -hmm. We would have had this post-Infinity War. So they could have done all of this craziness. I think it could have been incredible. I'm I'm fascinated about this one just because I'm trying to sort of, like, it it is fun to attempt to reverse engineer what they were going to be doing. Mm Because according to that original slate, we wouldn't have had Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, So I would have still been mad about that. Um, (laughs) uh, So good changes. Um, We wouldn't have had Spider-Man Homecoming. It wasn't uh, at the time on the cards. Uh, We would have already seen Captain Marvel. Yeah. Uh, and we would, I believe, have already had what they were at the time calling part one of Infinity War, which they then successfully fooled me into thinking was not what the case. Good yeah. job. <laughs> uh, but, like, what would we have been looking at right now? What would that movie have been? Would it have been a flashback movie that establishes everything so that, like, they mm. show up as the secret players? Would they and Captain Marvel both be involved in the second half of Infinity War? What were they doing? Or would it have been much more of an X-Men level thing because the Inhumans were positioned to take over mm-hmm. for the mutants because uh, Disney didn't own them and now they are getting back into the fray. So like, would they have been in a position where they were folded in as part of the twins narrative and then we got like a Kamala Khan spinning out of that? Like, it's tough to say, hmm. um, but it's fascinating to me that Inhumans um, was sort of a fart in the wind, and then um, Guardians of the Galaxy 3 is probably not happening. Like, the big cosmic things are the things that seem to be the Marvel Cinematic Universe's greatest successes, but also 
greatest tripping points. I won't say mm. weaknesses, but like they're causing them a lot of grief right now. <laughs> so I think just think that's sort of fascinating. Like playing with these big ideas can be deeply rewarding. Like seeing the microverse and like the promise of Fantastic Four always around the corner is like really, really exciting. But also sometimes it's a big whiff. <laughs> I, I feel like Inhumans would have been a lot like Guardians. I feel like it would have been a side thing. I don't think it would have been as integrated until maybe Infinity War. I feel mm-hmm. like we would, or Infinity War Part 2. I feel like we would have gotten the Inhumans maybe on the moon, yeah. not in Hawaii. Uh, and then had an experience where they were more their canon. They got to do mm-hmm. their own story. The, we would have cared about the race of Inhumans, and that would have been our investment, a lot like Guardians. And then by the time they came in Infinity War Part Two, when we have the biggest yeah. melee of all the characters ever, we'd be like, oh, those guys, I like those guys. Just like when we had Star-Lord, we were like, that guy. Like, it would have been that same coming together. And then I think it would have given us higher stakes for Infinity War Part Two because mm-hmm. you have all the characters teaming up in Infinity War Part One that are already met in Phase One through Three. Imagine now Phase Four is Infinity War Part Two with the newly introduced Inhumans and Captain Marvel. So you've got another wave mm-hmm. of heroes to help fight. And then if we get Kang, like a lot of rumors are saying, then if we get all these other heroes, I think Infinity War Part 2 could have had, I mean, it's almost double the cast. If you have like 10 more Inhumans. Well, more I, importantly, if we're getting Kang, are we getting Iron Lad? Because oh. I want the original Young Avengers. <laughs> That'd be fun. I'd like so that. Good. We've been talking original Young Avengers a little bit. I mean, the casting we, recently. No. Uh, it is interesting because I, I wonder if they could have pulled a similar trick to what they eventually did with Ammon and the Wasp, where the Inhumans would have been a separate adventure that mm-hmm. would end with a oh and guess what happens to half those new characters you just fell yep. in love with um, that would have been fun Although, man, if they had made me watch Lockjaw disintegrate, I would have, they couldn't have. They they couldn't never have stopped crying. Mm-mm. They made mm-hmm. Bucky disintegrate, so Oof. spoilers. <laughs> I do, <laughs> from six months ago. Because I'm shouting out screenwriters, I, the, the last one that I, or, or, or one more that I wanted to get to is uh, David Callahan. Uh, yes. I think that's so fascinating just yeah. because Marvel also snapped up Alan Heinberg, creator of the original, co-creator of the original Young Avengers with Jim Chung, who wrote the first, the first Wonder, Wonder, Wonder Woman, Woman movie. movie. So it's fascinating to me that Marvel's just like, we'll take you. Like, how long until they try and scoop Patty Jenkins? Well, I mean, both sides are doing it. Look at, look at the move over from James Gunn and Joss Whedon. Yeah, like, I think tag. it's funny they're both like, hey, that director. Hey, that writer. Yoinkity yoink. Yeah. Like, it's working. <laughs> I mean, Joss already made the crossovers. Right, and so. comic writers have done that for years. And then Indigen. Yeah. Yeah. I also yeah. weirdly am I'm, I'm happy about this, this David Callahan move in part because, like, you know, I get worried, and I love the script for First Wonder Woman, and when I saw Alan Heinberg wasn't attached to the second one, mm-hmm. I was like, what, what, I don't, what are we doing? Yeah. You know, And it's like, well, I guess this guy must be okay, because now you're fighting over him. Yeah. So. That's, point. That's, a, that's a good stamp of approval. We need more of him. Yeah. Um, I, and it is interesting, because we don't know what he's attached to on the Marvel side. Mm-hmm. Um, they, speaking of cosmic weirdness, the, the article that in question referred to Eternals being more like already so far along it wouldn't need this and it's just like oh that's that's interesting Mm. Um, but we also know that like speaking of that 2014 slate Marvel has so much we don't know about what they're working on that it could really be anything because we haven't had another big announcement of future properties which I love Mm -hmm. I can't wait to be surprised I don't want the next 10 years (laughs) of my life mapped out I don't even like to go three weeks out in the poll list I'd like to be surprised uh Aquaman is wrapped. We want to mention that. It's very exciting because that movie comes out really soon. I cannot wait for Aquaman. Everything looks great. Additional photography wrapped. Movies in the can. It's coming out in a mere week, so it means we might start getting my test screenings. In a can. It's an ah, it's like a tuna seafood. can. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah, ah. sorry. But we also, speaking of pull lists <laughs> and happy. shameless puns, uh, we got our pull list for the week, which is full of tons of great... Oh. Before. Oh, uh, we, yeah, we also have an amazing graphic before the pull list talking <laughs> about do. comics. We're very sorry behind the ca- camera, <laughs> Thank folks. Thank you, John. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because in addition to loving Ashley's company and loving her voice on the show, she has something really exciting to talk about today. That's right. I only come on the show when I want to plug stuff. So strap in, kids. Um, if you don't know my co-writer on Jupiter Jet and on Science that I was here talking about last time, is also my husband, Jason Inman. And he he's pretty and rad. I, he's pretty great. He looks like William Riker. Uh, you probably know him from the movie Trivia Schmodown. We do, for the for past four years, is our fourth annual Jawin Comic Drive for service members, where we team up with a charity and we raise comics to send to service members serving overseas, keeping us safe, uh, soldiers recovering in hospitals all over the world, and their family here in the United States. For the third year in a row, we've partnered with Operation Gratitude, which is an amazing organization that sends care packages to people overseas. And we do this because, uh, like our brilliant producer, John Roca, uh, Jason was a soldier, and he is a veteran. He was overseas. He was in Iraq for a year. And while he was over there, he got sent a bunch of comics, and that made his little nerd heart sing. So every year, we try to collect more comics to send to all of the amazing people and their families that support them who are keeping us safe. So this year, we're trying to raise 15,000 comic books. Uh, please keep them PG-13 or lower, because they could come to the kids back here on American soil, and we don't want Timmy and Sally to be more scared than they probably already are. And we run this for the month of November so that by the time all the holidays happen at the end of December, they're in the packages, they're going to the people who need them. Um, you can go to comicdriveforservicemembers.com to find all the details about how to donate. The best way to do it is go to the post office, get a medium flat rate box. You can fit between 50 to 60 single issue comics in there, depending on how well you Tetris and how generous you are with your bags and boards. Tape that up. If you ship it from the post office, it's $16. If you ship it from stamps.com, it's less than $13. Um, and if that is too much for you to donate and you're in the Los Angeles area, if you go to either of the Collector's Paradise locations, they're collecting the comics and they will take them to the donation center for you. Or you can go to the Operation Gratitude Donation Center in Chatsworth and just drop it off. And then please take a photo Email it to jawincomicdrive at gmail.com with how many you donated. That's the only way we have to keep track of how many people are sending, because otherwise uh, I'll never know that you sent them. In the past, we have raised over 112,000 comics. Can we just take that this? insane. <laughs> And you can send graphic novels, you can send prose books, you can send Blu-rays, you can send a full PS4 with Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm sure they would be more than happy to receive that. Um, but that's a really, really important thing that we do every year. And I'm hoping that all the amazing people here at Collider and the people watching at home who've supported us and who've helped us with some of our other projects will help us spread some nerdy joy to the real heroes this holiday season. I love this. I love that you do this. I'm so glad that you were able to come on today to yeah. talk about it. Please, you have comics that you don't necessarily need. You can go out and get new comics that you think will brighten someone's day. Uh, and this is a fantastic thing to do with them. I love that. I love everything about it. I think that is a brilliant use of the medium of comics and having the extra stuff. And I love that Earth 2 is teaming up to like help that way if people... Post Collectors Paradise. Collect <laughs> Thank okay. you. Collectors Earth Paradise. 2 also is... Yeah, totally yeah, 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 I, I yeah, picture yeah. you with Earth 2. Uh, yeah. Collectors <laughs> Paradise teaming up with you guys so it's yeah. even more accessible for LA people. Fantastic. Yeah. So please send me your comics. <laughs> so where? what's the, the one place they can go for, to reiterate all that? Comic info? Drive for service members dot Com. Also, it's pinned to the top of my Twitter and Jason's Twitter. All that information that you need. Yep. Thank you. Thanks so no, much for doing that. <laughs> I can't wait to see how we do this year. Let's smash the goal. Yeah. What was the last goal? 15,000. 
It's amazing. And we have until November 30th, so there's lots of time left. Many weeks. And speaking of weeks of comics, <gasps> let's do it. Get some of these comics to send over. The comic poll is right. Of the week, including some comics you can send to the people that very much deserve them, are Fantastic Week Comics. Our first poll is Grant Morrison on Green Lantern. With Liam Sharp. Uh, we'll, uh, gonna talk about that in a minute. Uh, we have Marvel Knights 20th, the 20th anniversary of. We'll explain what this is. It's Marvel Knights 20th number one. Amazing creative team. You're gonna want to check this out. We've also got Wicked and Divine Funnies number one. Number ones always haunt me, but here they are. Uh, we've got Infinity Wars number five. Marvel's crazy cosmic epic rolls on. It ties into our fan casting later. The Amalgam Universe is alive again in Infinity Wars. We also have Doctor Who, the 13th Doctor number one. If you want to jump on a Doctor Who book, very accessible book there. Which one do you want to talk about most? Oh, please, Green Lantern. Yes, it's number one for a reason. I love both of the people on this creative team. I think that the Green Lantern franchise um, could use a little spark. I think they've done some really interesting things post-rebirth, but I think Grant Morrison, having never written just a solo Green Lantern title before, is going to bring a lot of really cool energy. And I don't understand why Liam Sharp is not like drawing Batman, like is not the premier artist working at DC. I think he's so wonderful. His work on Wonder Woman with Greg Rucka was like astounding, and I can't wait to see what he's going to bring to the weird cosmic side of the DC universe. Yeah. I am. I'm so fascinated to see that team up specifically on this book. And it's just, it's fun to say, like, and now, Grant Morrison's Green Lantern. Yeah. Like, <laughs> what? Uh, I know he wrote Justice League for years. It just yeah. still feels weird. Um, and yeah, Liam Sharp friggin' rules. I'm, I'm excited to see his brand of sort of, like, he's, he excels at kind of organic scenes. And mm-hmm. to see what he's going to do with, like, space aliens, very exciting. <laughs> um, Marvel Knights 20th. Uh, Marvel Knights are are brilliant books. If you've never read the Marvel Knights section of that time period, Marvel Knights are a lot of what you love about the Netflix universe. They're a lot of what you love about like the Mm -hmm. street level heroes. They're a lot of what you love about like the darker side of Marvel. I'd say like bordering on R. It's like a PG thirteen. If you like Ultimate, yeah, you you like the Ultimate universe, you'll definitely like Marvel Knights. Read the Spider-Man one first. It's so good. It's incredible. So good. It was at Dodson's, right? The yeah. t- Terry and Rachel Dodson? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful Someone book. Someone where Electro has a crush on Peter and it gets yeah. real crazy. It's, it's uncomfortable. But <laughs> in the best way. Uh, so it's Marvel the 20th anniversary. Daredevil was my very first Daredevil. No. Like, that's the run that I started with. So influential um, to all of us, very yeah. clearly. Uh, it's the 20th anniversary, which makes me feel very old because I remember picking those up. Uh, it is a very... We establish very, a coin. We're old. I just yeah. don't like to accept it. It's getting more real by the number one. Um, so... It is out this week, and if you haven't read the originals, I assume, I haven't touched this book yet, it'll be very much in that vein. It'll remind you of these books from yesteryear, and Marvel Knights did a great thing where they were separate continuity, where like the canon from Amazing helped you understand Marvel Knights Spider-Man, but you didn't need it. So mm-hmm. it's a very accessible book, which I always think that that is something they can pride themselves on. So I'm interested in this, because they've got a bunch of different creators coming in to work on this miniseries specifically, mm-hmm. um, but the, the team for this first one is Donny Cates and Travel Foreman. Donny yeah. Donny Cates, who, recent Collider Heroes yeah. family. Yeah. He, he writes the most metal books. Like I said it all. Like his, his characters just have this sensibility where you're like reading and headbanging. You're just like this is everything, and it's a really fun take because you don't get that in a lot of mainstream comics. That's it, it feels like the indie writer flavor that they let get a bigger budget. It's yeah. like Take Away TT during Ragnarok. You're like, how yes. did this happen? I, it's that with metal. It's I great. do think it's fascinating that this is coming out. This line is coming out or relaunching, or however you want to frame it. After Black Label kind of launched their Batman book at DC, and that uh, speaking of whiffs, sort of. Uh, Batwang came and went very quickly. Um, so <laughs> if me- they would reprint the dang book, people could be excited about the story.
story, but no one. Can you know read what? It's just disappointing no on every level. It doesn't need to be reprinted. <laughs> uh, I think it's fascinating that Marvel is now kind of taking this similar vein, and it'll be interesting to see kind of what impact that has uh, once that book comes out. It was fun to see her sort of behind the scenes, like a lot of the folks who were behind the original Marvel Knights, uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Joe Casada. Like Joe Casada obviously kind of went on from that to sort of run Marvel yeah. and Jimmy Palmiotti to be an indie powerhouse with Amanda Connor, of course. Um, yeah, and- man, paper films. Woo! Oh, man. Uh, and so uh, it was interesting because they, they gave interviews where they were sort of they didn't realize how much affection all of the writers coming up now had for this stuff. Where mm-hmm. they were like, well, we're doing something for the 20th, right? And they were like, we, what? what? Oh, oh. Um, so and, a lot of huge creators are like, we've been wanting this for years. So it's, it's interesting because it's the, the sort of next, in that way, generation uh, uh, being like, here's the shit that we love. It and feels like when Archie rebooted and everyone mm-hmm. wanted to be a part of that as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and read all the rest of these books. I'm excited. My buddy Jody House <laughs> is writing Doctor Who, which is amazing. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. I, these books are all great this week, and it's also a, a great mix of uh, all the houses. And I love that mm-hmm. there's, I, I hate and love that there's so many number ones, but it is a really good way to jump on these books. And also, Wicked and Defined is just doing goofs. So that's what that's Bless. about. It's just goofs, <laughs> because that universe is usually breaking your heart. And sometimes you need some goofs. And the Infinity Wars poll ties into our sweaty question of the week, but Infinity Wars number five is basically Infinity Wars, instead of the snap destroying half of people, a spoiler for a book from three weeks ago, spoiler, spoiler, they're merging characters in the Marvel Universe. So there are a mix of the weirdest characters, and the books are weirdly fun. Spider-Man Moon Knight. Spider-Man Arachnite is so much fun to read. Great name. Great name. I've been really digging these books, and the side books are actually really well written, and the art's great, and it's really inventive. Um, The what is to do with the recent blockbuster. It's just Marvel fun times crossover. Mm-hmm. The what ifs and the Infinity War stuff have been great. And I've really been surprised because that's usually like a cash grab. So check out these books and if you want something that's really accessible and weird, Infinity Wars 1 through 5. Great. Also, checking out weird side books and what ifs and things like that is a great way to find your new favorite creators because that's people getting their trials. Yes, yeah. That's people being like, what if we put you on that one? And then they're like, oh my God, that's the best what if I've ever read. Have a run of something. Yeah. yeah. Those are the best books to support. Absolutely. It's great. It's great stuff. Good reason to pull them. So, Twitter questions we can actually get to this week. Yes. Powering through. Our very first Twitter question is from Daniel Land at DSmove77, <laughs> who asks at Quadrondo at Enthusiami at Rogo says hashtag Clatter Heroes. With Thanos no longer the big bad for the MCU after Avengers 4 and with the Fox Disney merger happening soon, do you see Onslaught as the next big bad through phase <laughs> 4, 5, 6? I would never have thought of this on my own, no. but he thinks that would be great. I he must have read comics in the nineties. Yeah, I, I love this person's zeal. I love his things we all remember. Yes, <laughs> I think you need to introduce Magneto and Xavier for a decade first, uh, like the actors playing them or whatever mm. they're going to do, because that is that is the betrayal has to be real. Yeah, without the betrayal, I don't see that happening. What do you guys think? I I, I think it's doubtful that we're going to jump in with an X Men villain. For Phase 4. I mm-hmm. think we'll be lucky to see more than a cameo by Wolverine in Phase 4, just because of the logistics of bringing what is essentially an entire other brand into their universe. And it's honestly easier, just to harp on it again, to integrate Fantastic Four. Mm-hmm. I think the idea of bringing it on slot is fascinating. I don't see it happening early. I think Koi's right. You have to really earn that term. Yeah. So, like, Doom is a villain who could bring everybody yep. together. But, like, like you're saying, Onslaught is so steeped in particular X-Men mythology. Yeah. I pulled this question just because I thought that was, like, a really cool out, out, outside-the-box idea. You know, but I don't think it makes a ton Onslaught of sense. would be great on Legion. Because mm. you have that sort of soft tie-in to Xavier to yeah. begin with. Oh, that'd be a lot of fun. And so. you can do a lot of the weird visuals on Legion. Like, yeah. that show is in-camera editing is so weird. Yeah, I'm in for that. 
There you go. <laughs> so we have another one from Svensson at Dance DJ 2K. Mm-hmm. Uh, pitching my the DC Universe Batman movie. Have the Riddler take over a Vegas hotel. He kidnaps Gotham's Elvis. Batman has to solve riddles, escape booby trap rooms, and exploding games of death. At Cogender at Enthusiami Collider Heroes. What do you think? All about it. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it, I want to contain Batman movie. Give me this Gotham Elvis. I don't even know. It sounds like the trickster episode of The Flash to me. Like some of those more hysterical elements. But you know what? I would love to see if they wanted to take a Batman movie, just a solo standalone, doesn't tie into anything else, and like maybe re-embrace some of the Adam West-isms. And I think something like that could be really fun. To me, this sounded like Tom King's Riddler has taken over Gotham and like on a small oh, truly, scale. Oh, yeah. Like when Tom King had Riddler be like, the Gotham's the post-apocalyptic With, what was that? War, war, war Jokes and Riddles, jokes and riddles yeah. which is one of my favorite Batman runs of all time. So this, but in a hotel, so the budget's not $800 million? Okay. Yeah, just shoot at the El Royale set, because that was expensive and cool. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's have that dividing line. Gotham and have it across the river from Metropolis for some reason. I hate um, that. I'm going to be honest. I really hate the Twin Cities idea. I'll give it to you with uh, Keystone and um, Central City, but I really hate that for Gotham and Metropolis. But a contained version of that big of a story yeah, would yeah, bring yeah. us back to detective work, would bring us back to like a small contained Batman. I like it. Uh, God, please give me a detective Batman. Please. And it, it would also be a great setup for someone else in the Bat family because yeah. you have such a wealth of characters like uh, that you could you could put a lot of people through like I mean I, I hate to say this but like if you were going to do a, a like not a Nightwing movie but like a solo Robin movie mm-hmm. if you ever wanted to do something like that I would love this setup for that. Cool. Um, uh, it, yeah. Murder in the Orient Express with Batman in a hotel. Also, oh, that's fun. I'm going right? to point out that I, I wasn't planning to bring this up, but like our buddy Danny Fernandez had the most brilliant like late night Twitter fan casting where she was <laughs> just like, so by the way, Riz Ahmed for the Riddler. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. And I would now, after, weirdly, after Venom, I would watch him do anything. Yes. Because uh, <laughs> he's just fun to watch. Um, so, yeah, make it happen. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Our next Twitter question is at Quadronarad Enthusiami from Marco Gonzalez. I am fresh 23 with the announcement of all these MCU series for the Disney streaming service and rumors of not just a show, but something bigger for Nick Fury. It's inevitable that we get an Avengers series, right? Hashtag Lighter Heroes. Budgets. No. I don't. I, I would love, man. But like, I'd say it's more likely. You mentioned Nick Fury. I'd say a Nick Fury espionage thriller is more likely than an Avengers series. I do not want to see the Hulk on a TV budget personally. That gives me the fear. I'm going to say this. Um, I said it on another show and people got very mad at me. Um, none of the press releases about these shows state that they are live action. So oh, interesting. If they're not li- live action, which it, it's neither here nor there, but they are not explicitly stated to be live action, and they're not explicitly stated, with the exception of Loki and Tom Hiddleston, to have any tie-in to the MCU casting. But if they did go animated, this would give them an opportunity to fold in some of those bigger actors without having to pay them that much. And I think that's the only way you're going to get an Avengers series. I think you'd be more likely that- to see a Thunderbolts, maybe. Ooh, that's a great call. Uh, or an Avengers initiative? I, I, I would be surprised if they're going animated with these, just because I feel like they I would, would too. I just like making time, people mad. They, yeah, <laughs> by this time, they think they would want to be out in front of the publicity on that to mm-hmm. avoid people getting disappointed. But I do think you're right that that is a way in which we would, like, if we got new Avengers content on that service, 
making it animated so mm-hmm. you can get the voices makes total sense. They can pull the Secret Warriors and use the yeah. same actors. Do it in the style of Big Hero 6. So we just got the whiteboard of justice, but I have been working on this the entire episode, so I'd love to run through it. Can you read your sweaty question of the week? I'm very excited about this question. Uh, do it, do it. Read it for us. Uh, sweaty question of the week. I, we've been saving forever because I uh, so love it. Chris Corral at Corraled and asks, I've recently revisited my Marvel vs. DC 90s comics. Let's be Wizard Magazine, my Inkoi favorite, and I got to say that part because also my favorite, and comic cast the Amalgam movie. Amalgam? I don't know how to say that. John Cena for Super Soldier is his pick. Should it be animated or live action? Thanks, and keep it sweaty. Hashtag Collider Heroes. Koi's literally been working on this since we walked in. You may have seen me toiling away my computer because I love this question so much, and it's like the weirdest, most deep cut, because you have to reference both characters on each side, and you have to get an actor that can portray both, and that's very hard. Short version. Late 90s. Crossover between the companies resulted in a short-lived line of comics, some from each company with crazy mashup versions of Marvel and DC. Most are trash, some are good. So if you guys have, and I'm going to run through mine, and if Just you guys want to go, go for okay, it. Okay, so. Andy Newton or Lupita Nyong'o as Amazon, who is Storm meets Wonder Woman. Edgar Ramirez as Dark Claw, who is Wolverine meets Batman. He's brilliant. He'd be great. John Cena or Henry Cavill as Super Soldier. He's available. Sam Rockwell or Sterling K. Brown as Iron Lantern, depending on which Green Lantern they went with. I think both could be good. One Tony, one. It works. Timothy Chalamet was her call for Spider-Boy, yeah. which I love very dearly. Timothy Chalamet's great. Ben Foster as Hyena, whose Joker meets Sabretooth. Uh, Runaway, uh, Alexander Daddario. I think she'd be great. Michael C. Hall as Green Skull, who would be weird. Oscar- Green Skull, y'all. Yeah. Green Skull. Oscar Isaac as Bruce Wayne, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Sterling K. Brown, he came back in case he doesn't cast the other one, as J. Jonah White. Love I think that. he'd be perfect. Uh, Dr. Doomsday is either Vigo Mortensen or Rufus Sewell. Oh, Vigo! Uh, I've been doing this the whole episode. I'm sorry. Aquamariner <laughs> is Daniel Day Kim or Louis Tan. Uh, Skulk is Dave Batista. Apollo, who's Cyclops and Ray, is Ryan Gosling. Night Creeper, Joe Gilgun. Dr. Strange Fate is Chiwetel Ejiofor. Lethal, nice. who is Cheetah slash Craven, Rooney Mara, and finally Benicio del Toro as Deadeye. You know he was supposed to be Darth Maul. Was he? Yeah. No way. You know what? I'm just gonna green light that whole <laughs> that line. Was, <laughs> I just cast 20 people during the hour of the show while that keeping a, conversation. I was gonna steal the kid from Deadly Class to be Spider Boy, but I like your pick. Timothy Chalamet. Yeah. It's a like, and they've worked for both sides of both characters, and they all would be enough to sell this weird, weird movie that'll never happen. Yeah. <laughs> Look all of that up. It's gonna yeah. blow your mind. That's your homework. <laughs> I, I, I was a Generation X kid, and they had the Jonah Hex crossover, and I was like, "What yeah, am I yeah. reading?" <laughs> um, so let that delight you, and we will see you next week. And as always, stay sweaty. sweaty. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. (sighs) Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, Heroes fans, John Roca for a third time. If you're a DC fan, you'll definitely want to check out the latest live-action series, Titans, available now on DC Universe. The series premiered on October 12th, and new episodes are available to stream every Friday. It's the first original series to launch on DC Universe, and it follows a group of young, soon-to-be superheroes. We're talking Dick Grayson as Robin, Rachel Roth as Raven, Corey Anders as Starfire, Gar Logan as Beast Boy. You guys know these guys. That group gets caught up in a conspiracy to bring about hell on Earth. They become a surrogate family and a team of heroes. It's a gritty take on the team 
Teen Titans franchise from executive producers Akiva Goldsman, Jeff Johns, Greg Berlanti, Greg Walker, Sarah Schechter, and John Fawcett. Titans Explorer is one of the most popular comic book teams ever. It's available only on DC Universe and on all your favorite devices. It's only $7.99 a month or 20% off a yearly membership. Join the ultimate DC membership at DCUniverse.com.